0: All right, podcast people, it's another Monday, which means it's another live training in the Facebook group. And as a podcast listener, you get to join in on the fun, although it's more fun in the live feed, which is happening right now. So if you're not in this group, you should be. Just join the personality diet and neurotype training so you can come on live and ask questions and interact. Uh, Today, the topic is the anti-holiday Nutrition Survival Guide, which, as I was just explaining to the Facebook group, I'm not anti-holiday. I am anti-holiday nutrition advice, So, and not across the board, but what I'm going to do on this episode is I'm going to break down the common themes that I've seen from all these different sources that I've looked at, and just to be very clear, I am open for um anybody who has a differing opinion. If anybody hears what I have to say and you want to tell me that I'm full of it, I am totally open to hearing that. But I can tell you that there are some common themes with all of these different holiday nutrition books and advice and guides that are out there. What I did was I downloaded about 10 of them, somewhere around 10 to 15, I actually lost track. And what I, I did was I outlined the most common pieces of advice amongst the guides that I've looked at. Full disclosure, I did not pick uh, sources that I know because I have a lot of colleagues and peers in this industry that I have a lot of respect for. So if you are one of those people and you are a fellow coach and colleague, and you know that you're one of my people, if you happen to write a guide that has one of these pieces of advice on this, just know that this is not my way of taking shots at you. This is just what I'm seeing across the board. And I just want to break it down because what I really feel is that a lot of the times there's good intent behind the message. The intent is in the right place. The heart is in the right place. But the message is just a little bit misaligned with what we are actually trying to accomplish as coaches in this industry. Now, maybe there are some people out there that do have ill intent. So I'm not going to leave that off the table. That's very possible. There, you, know, you hear the statistics about holiday weight gain, and people throw that, you know, that out there all the time and talk about the statistics. And by the way, those statistics are usually grossly overestimated the amount of holiday weight gain on average is really not that much. We tend to, uh, you see in the fitness industry, people will pinpoint that data, that data and say, you have to get this taken care of because you're going to gain all this weight and I'm going to help you not gain all this weight. And that's where I think the intent sometimes is like, they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to, you know, just put out any type of advice that will help The average person navigate the holidays. The issue is that it often misses the mark. And in my opinion, enforces a disordered relationship with food, exercise, and body image. So let's break that down. I am going to first, like I said, we're talking about, I'm I'm using examples from all the different sources that I've downloaded. And I just took the ones that have been the repeat pieces of advice. So ones that showed up, if I looked at 10 guides, they were on like seven or eight of them. And it was the ones that kept coming up over and over again. So the first one is your weekly calories matter more than your daily calories. So that means you can reduce your intake a couple of days before and a couple of days after a big event, party, or holiday. So you give yourself a much bigger calorie allowance on that day, to enjoy more of your favorite foods and drinks. So that may seem like great advice because on the surface, it's true. The fact of the matter is weekly calories and weekly averages are more important than daily calories and, and what you do in a single day. However, I think the issue that I have with this approach is that it still paints the picture that we're doing something that needs to be compensated for, that we're doing something that is almost like, it almost makes it a a predetermined bad decision, right? Like if I have to take two days before and two days after to restrict myself and deprive myself for this one day or this one meal, isn't that putting a lot of emphasis on that one day or one meal? In the one hand, we're saying, oh, daily doesn't matter, but on the other hand, we're saying we have to overcompensate for that one day by reducing calories and restricting ourselves. What I have found in application is that for some people, it can work, but for most people, it actually triggers overeating and overconsumption and that restrict and binge cycle that we're looking to escape from. Keep in mind that most of the people that we work with are like myself. We are coming from a background of chronic dieting. We are coming from a background of restrict and binge, of having no balance. And now all of a sudden we're saying that we have to to save up or compensate for one single meal or a holiday or a party, Um, and it really puts a lot of emphasis on that one thing. So if we're saying that that one day isn't a big deal... Why are we putting so much emphasis around it? That would be like, I'll use an analogy. That would be saying like, oh, hey, we have this exhibition game coming up. It doesn't mean anything. It's not going to impact our record. It's not going to impact anything about the season. It's just this practice game. It's a scrimmage. It's an exhibition game. But We have to overcompensate the two days before we have to do our hardest practices of the week. And the two days after we have to break down film and intensely study everything that went on in that game to compensate for that one exhibition game that, by the way, doesn't mean anything. Right. So we're sending a mixed message. And that's kind of how I interpret. Yes, the weekly calories and averages matter. But you know what else matters monthly and yearly. So like, let's zoom out and look at the big picture. Why are we putting so much overcompensation on one single thing if it doesn't really matter? If I can just go into that event knowing that it is just something where I get to enjoy myself, I get to be with family, I get to have good food. Maybe it's that I'm focusing more on being present and enjoying good conversation, and enjoying the company of the people that I love. And food isn't even an equation. It's not like, oh, well, now I have to compensate for this, or how many drinks am I having? I have to calculate my weekly averages. Like, No, let's just go in and enjoy it for what it is and not put so much hype around that one thing. So that's the first one. (laughs) Second one, I want to include... Also, pieces of advice that I actually agree with. And this one is kind of one of those. So, this is one that has been a repeat piece of advice, which is spend your calories on foods that you truly love. Now, somebody actually posted in the Facebook group a piece of advice that I had given probably a couple of years ago. And it's funny because a lot of people have referenced this same exact quote back to me and said, it's really helped them. So in that regard, I'm on board. What I said was, and, and what this piece of advice is saying is that if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no talking about food choices. So like for me, if you're talking about peanut butter or ice cream or peanut butter ice cream, it's a hell yes, I want that thing. If you're talking about something that's like, eh, I could do without it, I mean, I would probably like it, maybe like apple pie. I'm not the biggest apple pie fan. I would probably enjoy it, but it's not a hell yes, so it's a no. I actually like that piece of advice. However, I don't think that we can always operate with that filter. Yes, I think for the most part, it has application. So just keeping that in the back of your mind can help making mindful decisions. If you're in the midst of like, you know, a social event or or a big dinner, holiday, whatever it is, and somebody's like, oh, hey, do you want this drink? Do you want this dessert? Do you want this whatever dish? And your initial instinct is like, oh, hell yes. Then that's an easy answer. If it's like, yeah, then it's probably a no. I think that can be a good filter, but there's some times where it's like, yeah, just kind of want to try that thing. So in that sense, we can't always apply that filter. But I do think that that's a pretty decent piece of advice. So here's another one that is common that has showed up in probably half of the guides that I looked at, which is treat your weekend like any other day. So the, <laughs> the way that this is structured uh is just it kind of misses the mark because if we're talking about holidays, we're talking about weekends. So it says, you know, a weekend, an event, a party, a holiday doesn't mean you should have to operate any differently than any other day of the week. So it says, you know, you should still be able to plan accordingly. And even if you might not know what's going to be served at that event, you can still plan around that. And again, this is like, kind of driving that disordered relationship with food. It's like, oh my God, I have something that's not my normal schedule. So I have to like overly plan and plan everything around that and put a lot of emphasis on this one thing. And that, in my opinion, drives food anxiety higher because let's be honest, a weekend or a holiday isn't like any other day of the week. It's not. They're they're different. Most of the time- We treat our weekends differently than we do our weekdays for the most part. We treat our holidays different than we treat non-holidays for the most part. So we don't have to plan everything all around that and say, oh, well, you know, why can't I just treat this like any other day of the week? Because it's not. Now, planning everything around that, again, I think that for some people, that can be fine. If you are somebody that likes to just keep an eye on things and Keep tabs on what you're doing leading up to a holiday dinner or a family dinner or weeknight or whatever it is. Totally fine for the right person in the right context. But I think when we put this out to the masses and we're treating this like everybody should be able to follow these rules, it really misses the mark because they're not like any other day. So we're not going to treat this like, okay, I'm just going to plan out and account for this dinner again, isn't the objective to remove the control that food has over us. And if food doesn't have control over us, then we're not going to spend so much time stressing and overanalyzing and overcompensating for one dinner, right? Like, let's just go in and enjoy that holiday. And even when we're talking about just a weekend, I don't treat my weekends like I do my weekdays. My weekends have a different flow to them. It's a different structure. I don't have to, you know, I don't have the, I actually don't care about tracking it as much as I do. Now, for some people, they can get away with that. And and especially if you have a more extreme goal that you're trying to work towards. But I think that just saying you should be able to plan an event or a holiday, just like you do any other day, really misses the mark. And it places too much emphasis on, uh, you know, stressing food choices. Like we're trying to remove that food obsession. We're trying to remove the food guilt or the good versus bad choices or that calories need to be compensated for if you overeat them. So if we're trying to remove those things, let's not put rules in place that enforce that that mindset. So here's another one that I'm just going to say I flat out dislike, which is try fasting. Um, So again, this is like, like, The first one I talked about, which is lowering calories days before and days after one big meal. Uh, So trying to fast is like the epitome of a disordered relationship with food. It's like, well, I'm going to overeat. So I have to starve myself and punish myself. If you are already doing a fasting protocol, that's totally different. But if you're like, oh, well, I'm going to eat so much that I have to totally starve myself for an entire day just because of this one meal, again, think. don't think about it in terms of calorie balance. Think about it in terms of mindset and sustainability. So every time that you have a big meal, you're going to think about restriction. You're going to think about deprivation. And what's that going to do to you when you actually go into that meal? It's likely going to contribute to making decisions that you wouldn't normally make and eating way past full and, and just feeling... Bad about the whole situation because you put yourself in a position where your body was deprived and you're not going to be as mindful of the choices you're making. You're, you're just setting yourself up for a slippery slope when it comes to your relationship with food. I do not think that fasting for 99% of people, unless you're already doing a fasting protocol, I don't think that it should be something that is utilized to compensate for a big meal. Um, Again, it's too important. Our relationship with food is too important to try to starve ourselves just because of, you know, one situation, one meal, one acute incident. So let's remove those, that language like compensating or whatever, whatever the phrase you want to use. Uh, It's more about being present for that, that holiday event or that dinner, whatever it is. Um, another one that's very common is drink a lot of water and eat a small snack of protein and veggies about an hour before the event. Here's another one because here, what's what's the intent behind this? Well, if I drink a lot of water and I eat protein and veggies, I'm going to be more full. Excuse me, going into that holiday meal, I'm going to be more full going into that party. Or that weeknight dinner, or whatever, or I'm sorry, weekend dinner, whatever it may be. So I'm gonna chug some water, I'm gonna eat protein and veggies, and now I'm full, so I'm not gonna eat as much at whatever holiday meal it is or family dinner. I wanna control myself. And again, like, are we really setting ourselves up to not want to enjoy the delicious food that's being prepared for this occasion, whatever the occasion is? My guess is that you're, enjoying the celebration with family, that you care about the people there, that you care about the conversation and the good food that brings you together. It's not about how little you can eat. I don't think that we're giving out awards for who eats the least amount of calories during a holiday meal. I think the most important thing is that you can just go in and, and be present and taste good food and, and have great conversations. So trying to like, become artificially full before the meal in my opinion, defeats the purpose. And maybe that's just me, but I'm somebody who likes to enjoy my food. And I don't wanna have this feeling of artificial fullness because I chugged a bunch of water and ate a bunch of celery and carrots and lean protein an hour before this holiday event or this weekend dinner that I'm going to. So again, I think that that's something that uh, really we could do without when it comes to the holiday advice. Um, Here's one that I love have to keep it equal and say both sides. Here's one I love. Be mindful. A lot of guides are talking about being mindful and being present and paying attention to you know the the situation, your hunger signals, your sati your satiety signals, the, you know, and, and part of mindfulness is just taking your time and not rushing through everything and not stressing about all the different things that, you know, like I said, not stressing about how many calories you're eating or how you're going to have to overcompensate for this meal. Just be mindful. Take a deep breath. Be present. Eat slowly. Focus on the people there. Focus on what's important to you, what's meaningful. Uh, so that is one that I can fully, fully get behind. Um, another one that is kind of I could go either way on this one. Um, it says pay attention to your alcohol choices. Uh, and, and basically the gist is that if we're drinking like straight alcohol, like a vodka club soda or you know something that's like sh- just straight wine without any of like the sugary mixes or anything like that. We're not going to have as many calories on drink choices. I think sometimes if you're not sacrificing again if you are somebody who truly loves like a good margarita and that's what you get excited about for a particular holiday, then by all means, that should be your choice. But I think for the most part, you know, making small sacrifices in that regard when it comes to drink choices. And, and just as a personal anecdote, I love vodka club soda. Like I actually truly enjoy that drink. I also enjoy straight bourbon. So for me, it's not that difficult, but for some people, they really love like the, you know, whatever, margarita or mojito or something that's going to have a little bit more of a caloric load, which is totally fine. Um, however, if there's something that you also enjoy that you feel like you wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, it would sacrifice your experience, then for me, it's worth it. Like uh, when we were on vacation, when Mel and I were on vacation, um, I had some banana daiquiris. I had Aperol spritz. Like I had, drinks. I had espresso martinis. Like I wanted to try different drinks just because it's fun. And that's it. Like I'm not thinking about sacrificing calories. So that's why I say this one I can kind of get on board with, but not in all situations. I think it really comes down to personal preference. It can help, but also it can take away from the fun. So kind of pick and choose your battles, I guess would be my ultimate advice there. Uh, The next one is one, again, like when we talk about relationship with body, mind, and exercise, I'm sorry, you know, body, mind, food, and exercise, this is one that so many people talk about, and it gets tossed around in fitness circles, and I think it really leads to a disordered relationship with all of the above, which is increase your activity, work out harder, get in additional training sessions. Why? What are we compensating for? We're we're punishing ourselves and saying that we have to do more because we ate more. So from a mindset perspective, we're immediately connecting the dots that food is punishable by extra exercise, that excess calories is a bad thing, that we have to burn off because God forbid we have excess calories in our system, uh, and that we have to do extra work because of this acute situation. So adding training sessions, adding cardio, punishing yourself with exercise, sending the wrong message, we're we're going down a slippery slope, we are using food as something that needs to be compensated for, which it doesn't, like, let's remove those those rules, like we're trying to repair years of diet culture. And we throw out advice like this, which is, first of all, not only on a mindset side of things but good luck trying to work off excess calories. Like if when you actually break it down, the amount of additional calorie burn from adding training is so small and it probably cancels itself out because your body is pretty damn smart. So when you add hours in the gym, you know what your body does to compensate? It reduces activity outside of the gym without you even knowing it. So subconsciously, you'll move less. It ends up being a wash anyway. So let's focus on the mindset side of things and not worry about how many extra cardio sessions we have to do because of you know Christmas dinner, whatever it may be. Totally disagree with that one. So um, I'm going to touch on one more that every single guide – mentions, and it may seem like the least harmless piece of advice in the world, and probably advice that I've thrown out more times than I can even count, which is get right back on track. Classic, right? We had this big meal, just get back on track. Well, first of all, by saying that, we're indicating that what we did was off track. We're indicating that eating Freely and enjoying a holiday meal or whatever it is. We're indicating that that's off track and we have to get back onto something. So right then and there, we're kind of painting this picture that something needs to be fixed, that there's a track that we should be on and we and we swayed from it. We did the wrong thing. So I know that I probably will get some comments about this one saying that people disagree with me, which I'm totally fine with, totally open to hearing the other side. And I've actually used this phrase plenty of times, like just get back on track because the intent is a good one. The intent is like, hey, nothing happened in a day. You can just go back to your the way that you were operating before that day and you'll be totally fine, which is true. But I think that sometimes the language we use is important, and sometimes it does enforce this mindset that we did something wrong. So, um, rather, my preference is to kind of paint the picture that that's all part of the track. Like, there's no track at all. the The Thanksgiving dinner, the the week, the weekend, you know, get together with friends, the couple of drinks that you had, um, whatever it is, the holiday celebration. That's all part of it. It's all part of it. There's no track to get back on. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. So now we're talking about like what choices and decisions are you going to make from here? And I think just framing it in that perspective versus like you did this thing. Now just get back on track. It does paint the picture, send the message that There was a wrong decision that was made, and now we have to get back to making the right decisions. And from a mindset perspective, I think that that can be damaging. And I realize that I'm super nitpicking on this one. So if you disagree with me, feel free to disagree. That is my opinion on that. Um, Rather than thinking about it as off track, we have to think about it as part of the process. And I'll give you an example of this. When you look at how behavior change happens, Behavior change happens in stages. One of the stages that's talked about is relapse. Relapse isn't talked about as something that needs to be removed. Like, oh, we can't have this relapse. It's talked about and utilized as part of the plan, as part of the process for behavior change to occur. So we go through these phases and we get to a point where we've established a new behavior. And part of that process is relapsing to our old behaviors and then continuing on. It's part of the overall process. It's nothing. We didn't do anything that we weren't supposed to do. It's built into the equation. That's kind of the way that I prefer to treat situations like that. It's built into the equation. You don't have to get back on any track because there is no track to get back on. We're just trying to create this way of doing things that allows for us to enjoy all of the moments that we want to enjoy while making progress. And that's it. We all have goals. So keep in mind that if you're trying to, you know, get ready for a photo shoot, if you're trying to compete, if you're trying to step on stage, if you're trying to get as shredded as you possibly can, you have to make sacrifices. A lot of these things, like, accounting for, you know, holiday meals and being super strict and compensating and, you know, hitting your weekly calories, all that stuff might have to happen if your goals are very extreme. But for 90 plus percent of us, we just want to feel better, look better, make progress over the long haul and get results that actually last. So in that sense, it makes I think a better impact to just build that stuff into it. It's already part of the process. We don't have to get back onto anything. We just continue to navigate and, and make choices that align with what we're trying to do. And for me, I know that I want to enjoy holiday meals. I want to be able to have a drink when I want to have a drink. I want to be able to go out with my friends you know, when <laughs> when situations are permitting that I can do that. I want to be able to do those things. Like That is part of what I enjoy from living life. And food should not be something that takes away from that. It should not be something that adds stress and anxiety. And if it is, I think we have to really take a look at the messaging that's going on in our head and the story that we're telling ourselves. And a lot of times the the advice that comes from a well-intentioned message can enforce those disordered behaviors. And it can enforce that eating you know, overeating is is something that needs to be punished, or it's just an inherently negative thing to do or a wrong thing to do. Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with with overeating. What is that, you know, overeating by whose standard? What does that even mean? It's it's totally just placing a label on something without any kind of like context. It's not inherently good or bad. We place that definition, we place that label. So um not to go on too much of a tangent, but that's just my overall philosophy on these things. When it comes to navigating the holidays, the reality is what we do from New Year's to Thanksgiving is way more important than putting so much emphasis on this period of time between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Like we're putting our emphasis on the wrong thing. What matters more, it's the, the months and the years when we when we kind of zoom out and look at the big picture and creating a way of eating that feels good for us, that supports our body, that supports our goals, that supports our lifestyle, that allows us to have a great relationship with food and exercise and do things because we love to do it and not because we feel like we have to or feel like we're we're not good enough or feel like we're broken. You know, we're we're kind of coming at this from the wrong perspective. We should be empowering ourselves to, do choi- to make choices that feel great. And, and sometimes it's not just about the physical. Sometimes it's about the emotional. Sometimes it's about the social. Sometimes it's about family. Sometimes it's about celebration. There's so many different parts of our health that we need to fill. And if we're always focused on the physical, we may be sacrificing the mental, which is never worth it. So anytime we sacrifice our mental health in pursuit of a physical goal, it's never worth it, and it'll never last. So let's really take some time to think about the mindset side of it and make sure that those decisions are coming from the right place. So I hope you guys enjoyed my anti-holiday nutritional survival breakdown. Um, If you guys have any questions while I'm still on, you can drop them in the comments of the Facebook group I'm happy to answer anything. Um, If anybody listening on the podcast or the Facebook group totally disagrees with everything that I'm saying, I love a good discussion. I'm always open for other sides of the equation to hear other perspectives. So please feel free to shoot me a message, shoot me an email, DM, whatever it is, and let me know. Be like, hey, I really think you're full of shit. Tell me why. And we'll have a good conversation about it. Um, I think that that's how we get better. And especially any coaches who are listening, if you feel like, hey, you know what? This is where I think you are maybe off base. Let me know. That's how I get better. Um, I'm not seeing any questions on the Facebook group. Thank you guys for listening. I have to mention that tomorrow night, I'm not sure when this podcast will be released, hopefully by Wednesday, but it doesn't matter the time that it comes out because tomorrow night is Tuesday, December 1st, and at 7 p.m. Eastern time, we will be delivering the first session of our Fat Loss Freedom Workshop. This is something that I am super, super proud of. Not only just am I proud, but I am honestly honored that 200 people have signed up, plus all of our clients get access already. So there's going to be maybe 500 people that are joining this workshop that covers the most easiest, simplest, effective, efficient path to sustainable results that you can possibly take. This is using like the principles that we believe in our whole philosophy and condensing it into a two-hour workshop and tomorrow night is the first session, and you can still join. The reason you can still join is because this workshop is going to live forever. So, after we do the live sessions, there's two live sessions Tuesday and Friday. So, Tuesday, December 1st, Friday, December 4th. After those sessions, you guys are all going to get access. Everybody that registered is going to get access to the recordings broken down and segmented for you into smaller trainings. And we're gonna throw in a bunch of bonus material that is honestly gonna blow you away. It's it's incredible. And I'm I'm super proud of what we've been able to create. Uh, And the fact that this workshop was $27 for early bird tickets and $47 right now uh, is pretty ridiculous. This could make the best holiday gift if you're looking for a gift idea giving the gift of health is a beautiful thing. So if you still need to register, you can go to dietfreedomworkshop.com and you can still sign up. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you listen to this on you know in January of 2021, the workshop is going to live forever. So if that's the case, when you register, you'll just get instant access. But if you register now, before the live sessions, you can actually join into the live group and ask questions and interact and um it's going to be a lot of fun so just go to dietfreedomworkshop.com secure your spot and I can't wait. I'm honestly super excited. Super proud, honored that we have so many people who are ready to finally take that sustainable approach and you know really the biggest thing is There's so much noise out there. There's so many distractions. There's so much misinformation. And so my goal is just to help you guys stay focused on what truly matters for you as an individual. And obviously the best way to do that is through one-on-one coaching, but not everybody can do that for whatever reason, timing, finances, just not being ready to commit. doesn't matter what the reason is for most people, this is an easy opportunity at forty-seven dollars to jump in and learn exactly how to create and follow a sustainable plan for you as an individual, not about what everyone else is doing. It's it's a way to drown out the noise, to put blinders on and just focus on you. Um, and that's it. Really, is something that. I'm just super excited. So I can't wait to dive in tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, December 1st is the first session. Hopefully I will see you guys there. Um, Please don't hesitate to reach out, ask questions, and I will talk to you guys next time.